Rugby Podcast, the Southern Kings edition. I'm Alan Deegan and with me is William Davies. We're standing at the back of the clan stand about an hour or so before kickoff, and it's a beautiful evening at the moment. Yeah, it's showing potential. <laughs> There's been a couple of showers, but uh, hopefully we're going to get more of this than, uh, than what we had about an hour ago. Um, interesting evening. I mean, it's the uh, first time in 10 years we've had South African opposition here when their national side was here in 97, or 2007, before the World Cup. Um, so we'll see what they're going to bring. Connacht have to improve a lot from last week. I think they will. Um, I think they're certainly aware of how poor that performance against Glasgow was and hopefully they found a way to rectify it and we uh, we look forward to this game tonight, being to see what the crowd is quite quiet at the moment so I'm hoping that there'll be a late rush I also have uh, Captain Craig himself, Rob managing to get him on the podcast for a little bit all oh, before this Mayo thing eventually finishes up at some stage, hopefully. What's going on with Mayo? Okay. I don't know, I don't know. You just keep talking about it. Yeah, I just haven't mentioned them at all today. <laughs> Might be the first time you brought them up. Uh, yeah, you think it was bad, William? It was shocking last week. I was just caught the end of William there. Yes, and obviously they really did fess up to it. Is that a good Southern Hemisphere rugby word there in terms of listening to Kieran Keane? Very impressed at how much he fessed up. I mean, talking about the fact that they were, well, to, to paraphrase his quote, what was making stuff up on the pitch was that it is analogy so yeah I just think, you. I think that's going to be the phrase that'll refer to the, the clan today I think it was absolutely horrendous last week and what, what's really annoyed about it is look it's the first game of the season but you can't give them a pass they're way past that now this mm-hmm. team won a league title two years ago the first game of the season it depends on who you're playing this was an absolute opportunity to win it's a huge defeat last week no matter what happens over the next three weeks and what has to happen over the next three weeks is they have to get three wins and starting today I don't care about bonus points at all I just care about three wins yeah, yeah, I think that's that's vital that we get in a, you know wins again with with Ospreys losing again today. Um, you know, there's an opportunity for us to get up into that top three by getting a couple of wins on the board before we meet those guys later in the season. Yeah, the, the uh, Dragons were played a bit better than they did against Leinster at home last night away to Edinburgh, but we're still well beaten. So that's a big game next Friday night. It's a huge game for them because they re- they have to fess up. They, I mean, they've got a new management structure. They've got a new team ownership with the Welsh Rugby Union taking them over uh, so they're under pressure and that's, that's I, I think Newport will be a tough enough ask just, it'll just be a very hard gritty game they have to win it they have to win it they got to win tonight I mean I know it's going to be tough fully agree I think they'll dig it out in the last minute but this is this is defining these next couple weeks the lads really need to step up I think they will judging by what Dennis Buckley said to you during the week judging by what Kieran Keane said I think they're all aware of it just chatted to some of the backroom staff there as well same thing they're they're fired up and the team looks fit and strong that's the one thing that I took away positive last week compared to last season compared to the last few seasons we've had a decent pre-season so I feel confident are we expecting a big win today? Yeah, I'm expecting to win. I've, I, I took the plus 18. I expect, fully expect us to win by more than 18. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the Kings are 149 to 1 on the Betfair exchange. 18, so I think that probably shows you how much of an outsider they are. Judging by what they had to say, they're, they're in a look and learn mode. Yeah. Um, and they can't come out and say we don't expect to win, but I think they're very realistic about what their uh, their aims are for this part of the season and the whole se- the whole season as a whole. I think the Cheetahs are going to be a different operation, particularly when they get to play at home. I think when they get back into their own stadiums. But I think these guys as well at home, they're going to play. I expect them to throw the ball around tonight. Yeah. Um, three, good back three. 
just for watching the game. You watch the Scarlet's game, they're sharp, so they'll probably score if you try. Yeah, that, that, that's the slight worry, is that we, we've got to convert our... Connacht have got to convert their chances. Yeah. We, had, we had chances last week. Look, you can argue, maybe we did score two tries last week, but they weren't given, <laughs> so every, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah. You've, you've got to convert those. Yeah. Uh, what I like to see tonight is the first couple of chances you get, dot the, dot the, the ball down over the line, get, get, get your business done, so that it doesn't start playing on your mind again. Yeah. Um, don't defend narrow, because... That's where they, their their strength is is out wide, and yeah, Connor Connor should win this, and I, I would I would be hopeful that they would get a bonus. Like I would expect to get a bonus point. Fair enough. That's the two lads. They're going to head off up into the commentary box because William is joining Rob up in the commentary box this week after my sojourn up there last week, and I'll try and find someone to talk to on twenty minutes half time and sixty minutes, and um, yeah, we'll talk on twenty minutes. God knows with who. Clean it out. Darren Leader steps in to act as scrum half. Referee's hand in the air. Penalty to Connick. All right, 13 minutes into the game. Sure, there's no score. The Southern Kings have a bad in the bid, and Connick looked like the livelier team. Yeah, Connick taking advantage of that there. They're, the defensive line for the Kings has got a bit messed up by their, the loss of one of their their backs who's, who's got the card. So they got very, very narrow there, and then the winger drifted in, and that gave Marmion the opportunity to pick and go. He was nearly away, but this is. Good kick from Dara Leader down into the 22, and that's an opportunity now to to put a decent phase of attacking rugby together. Interesting to see they're using Dara Leader's uh, boot for all the kicks to touch now. He certainly gets distance. Well, certainly on that side of the field, anyways. And uh, did a fine job of it. On the right hand side of the pitch. Good as right boot, it should be said. Connick have won the ball at the line out. Now they've set the ball and they're driving towards the line. Cannon was the target, the ball seems set this time. No problem, says the referee. They made 50, 20 metres. The Kings have managed to bring it down. Huge opportunity on the short side. Darren Leader goes for the corner, takes on the man, reaches out. He's tackled, he gets up and goes again, and he's driven into touch. There was a massive gap, but he had to get across as quickly as the Southern Kings were getting across, and it just didn't work out for him. Connick going again, two metres from the line. Surprised there isn't an advantage for a penalty for pulling down the ball, but on they go. Half a metre at this time, they're stopped. They're going to go across the back line. Cardi skips one, gives it to Farrell. Farrell steps inside and goes over the post. Tom Farrell scores for Connacht. That's his uh, second try. Or it's actually, it's actually his first try in a Connacht shirt in Pro 14 Rugby. A change for Connacht. Sean O'Brien obviously did pick up a knock. Old Masterson is the man who's going to come on and replace him. Or he didn't recover from the knock he had picked up earlier. 10 0 to Connick, but this is a 5 meter line out for the Southern Kings. And they've only kept uh, four backs out. So a number of backs in here to try and get this ball going. They popped it down to Van Vuren. It was all a little bit of a decoy. But Van Vuren was eventually taken down. So good defense for Connick on the initial wave. Masterson only just on the field and having to make a tackle immediately there as well on the second phase Tom McCartney stopping them now but another pick and go from Van Vuren again Jared Butler's over the top of that ball this time he doesn't hold his feet so he can't do anything it's Sela an advantage against Connick for offside a lot of penalties being given away here as Connick desperately defend their line bad enough to concede a try don't want to concede the yellow card and a try Again, it comes out to Coleman, the out half. He juggles that a little bit before he could take it in. Tom Farrell had enough time to tackle him then, but there's numbers out here on the far side. Tiernan O'Halloran tries to get across to make the tackle, but the Southern Kings are over in the corner and they have scored, and it's Burton Clausen who's been very good so far. That's impressive for them, their second try. 
since they joined this competition. So yeah, interesting that they're going to go for scrum. I suppose it's the right decision considering how dominant that scrum is. One last opportunity for Connacht. Scrum time is a real problem for the Southern Kings. And look, you look at their team list and we are always saying when we're playing Pro 14 sides or Pro 12 sides as they were in the past, you look through all the experienced internationals that you can have on teams. Even last week with Glasgow missing four or five frontliners, they still had a lot of experience. Only one international in this Southern Kings side and that's Van Shelquick. And they are, they are missing that bit of experience. Yep, they are. And I think Connacht are probably sniffing penalty try here if they could, if they could get another penalty from here. Uh, the referee might go under the post. Connick drive towards the line. It goes down. I don't know if there's an advantage, but they're going to attack and see what they can get out of it anyways. Bundiaki has come in to take that ball out of Carty's hands, I think. That was Healy's hands, I beg your pardon. Uh, Healy had come in from his uh, opposite wing. On they go. Pick and go from Connick. Right beside the post. Last play in the first half. No advantage for Connick, so they have to make this count. John Muldoon's driving towards the line. Two or three Connick players around him. He's got the touchdown. He just let go of it as he was going over. So we'll see who was that got over. Was it Ulton Delad that got in for the try? I think it was Ulton Delad with the pick and go in the end. Great stuff from Ulton Delad. Three tries at the board. Okay, just to correct the stadium announcer, it was Ulton Delan who scored a try, and the score is 24-5. But uh, it is halftime. Um, cracking, cracking half from Connacht. Only lost their concentration munch, which allowed the Kings to score through Classen. But two tries then followed on from a fairly dominant display with Owen Masterson going over under the posts after some good work directly after the Classen try. Uh, and then just on halftime, Ulton Delan scored. And now we have the... The Galway Hurler showing off the Liam McCarthy Cup. Just have a look at this, William. Sorry to cut in there, but they're looking at Finley Beelham to see if he led with the shoulder and uh, and if it's foul play of uh, any any making. Really, it doesn't look a lot to it. it. Certainly, he certainly didn't make an attempt at a tackle, but it was more of a collision. Really, I don't know. Is there really foul play? I I. Mm, I taking my conic glasses off no I don't think that's foul play I think that's just a, a, an, an in running situation but uh, the referees decided to have a look at it. it it probably it does look like he didn't go in with his arms but I don't actually think he was trying to tackle him I think the ref seems to have decided good officiating there he's having a quick word with Philly Beelham Van Ruin oh he's given him a yellow card just when we thought it was fine no yellow card well that's it's a stunning decision. Like, listeners, you're going to have to try and watch this when you're at home uh, later tonight just to see what we're talking about. But at the absolute worst there, William, if you really are being careful of how you're officiating, you'd say a penalty because you, you turned your shoulder towards the player. Uh, but, like, the contact was minimal. It was almost incidental. I don't even think it was a penalty. He's got a yellow card. OK, it's 60 minutes. Um, it's been a dreadful 20 minutes of play. Connacht have only managed to score three points. They have um, a man in the bin. Finney Beelham's in the bin for what looked like a harsh decision against them. Uh, Kings are on the attack, and the game has gone completely and utterly dead. Let's hope there's something more exciting to report on that full time. Line out to Connick. Cannon wins it. Maul is set. Connick get it rolling. This could be the moment where this fourth try comes. On they go. Infield it goes. 
but they still have a bit of momentum and they're going towards the line now it's been dragged down advantage to Connacht great opportunity here free play comes across the back line whipped all the way out right for Griffin to Dara Leader Leader reaches out and he got the touchdown yes he has that's brilliant from Dara Leader Crosby with the pass what a pass for Crosby long long pass out to back line oh it's a wonderful pass for Crosby and he found Leader Griffin was the decoy oh it's brilliant Great job uh, on the pass, but a really good job by Dara Leader because he'll take the ball one-handed and control it. Can often bounce away from you. You can see it on the replay there. He had his hand on the ball, got it down, then it moved forward. That was exactly what Connacht wanted. They got a second chance and uh, they, they got it right this time. Connacht have turned over the line out. Straight to John Muldoon. So this is the last play of the game. If Connacht want to kick to touch, let's see if they want to. Carry from Dave Hefford and they're looking for one more try. Big carry from Dave Hefford too. This is interesting. Let's see what the decision is. Blade, out it goes here. Group Griffin to uh, Tierney O'Halloran. Certain amount of energy and determination. You don't often see this. Spinning through the challenges. Hefford it. So last chance for Connacht. Kings come through on the ball. Back it comes. Bundyaki has it now. Kind of surprised to see Connick looking for another try. Yeah, they're just they're just they're just keeping it going. Little dink through kick there, and that might be the end of it. The ball's gone into touch, and the last play is over. It's the post-match section of the podcast. Uh, we're going to quickly nip in and listen to what Kieran Kane and Daryl Leader had to say, and we'll be back in a sec. Kieran, was that? more of what you were hoping for yes yes it was um, to get a bonus point at home in front of our fans is important to us and I think it's important to the boys too you know, they've put a lot of work in probably stumbled at a hurdle um, we're still making small steps like, I don't think we need to get ahead of ourselves. Um, we're, we're making gains and we're moving forward. So that's a real big plus for me. And I was a bit nervous before today. Oh, what did you specifically think was, what was better? What, what, what pleased you? What did you think and say, that, that's what I want, that's what I need to be seeing from these guys? Oh, there was better attack. There was a lot more polish around the handling there were some better decisions. The work rate was good. Um, the energy was good. The set piece was good, um, particularly the scrum. But those things can vary from week to week. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was it was just generally a better step up, and we needed to do that. So that's really positive for me. Were you concerned at all that after uh, the long injury break, concentration seemed to go a little bit and it became quite scrappy and the game plan maybe lost its shape and then it came back? But did that little phase, was that a concern? Yeah, but there's other people and other factors that can contribute to those things. And we don't need to talk about that. But, you know, uh, it did lose its shape. Um, and there were some stop-start affairs and the rhythm, you know, you could see the frustration in, in our own team. And, um, and that opposition, I mean, they've got some real athletes there and some real firepower. 
So we were being drained as well by looking after all that. So between, yeah, it was messy in the at parts, but I don't think it was all our own making. Uh, Dara, how did uh, you coming back after the injury break and play the fullback last week? How did you find being on the wing today? You seem to to get well involved with the game. Yeah, obviously, yeah, I got a pretty good bit of ball at the start of the game, and I'm just like delighted to be out there. Obviously, I think I played more games in like two weeks into the season than I have in the last two previous seasons. So. I'm just happy to be out there and get my experience back and confidence back. So yeah, I'm just delighted. It was a nice try at the end. Connacht needed that. They wanted the bonus point, and you saw your chance and took it. Yeah, thankfully I did. Like I knew he was a small fellow, and I wasn't too sure whether to go inside or outside. And then, luckily, he just tackled me down, and I was able to use my height and just reach over the try line. It was nice, nice bit of ball control. Um, Overall, the feeling in the dressing room now is that you've you've established a bridgehead with this win, and you have to drive on next week. Yeah, definitely. Like obviously, the week before the conditions and stuff, we didn't play to the best of our ability, but at least this week we got into our shape a lot more and played the ball around a lot more, and just hope we take that forward to Dragons now next week. Were you pleased with the way that when you were down to fourteen, there was only one Dragons seated when Dennis and when uh, Finney went off? The, you didn't concede any points. Or are you more concerned about the fact that you went down to fourteen men in the first place? Uh, it was that, it's out of, out of my hands and it's out of um, the players' hands. I mean, I I saw what happened um, because I have the value of replay, so it was a little innocuous, to be honest, um, but they're the rules. And so I was a bit disappointed to lose a man, um, but we rallied okay, you know. Um, We've got a bit of grit, which has shown itself to me over the last month, so I wasn't too fearful of everything. And that was a much happier Kieran Kane this week, and a very relieved our leader to have got two games under his belt after a couple of years of um, injuries. I think he's, he was quite happy to be back. Lindley, you, you, you talked to him about it, he seemed very pleased. Actually, yes, and I don't blame him because I'm delighted to see him back too after two long years. Which he's had a he's had a dreadful time, and you know he could just have easily perhaps not have been able to come back. So after two years, being very patient, being very frustrated, but working through it, he's finally come back. And I, to be honest, I actually thought he had all the credentials to win the Man of the Match award tonight. Yeah, he certainly played very well, kicked very well, took his try brilliantly. Um, yeah, it was, it was great to see another another great option we have. Well, that's that's the other thing, isn't it? And you know, he's he's a, he has a great boot on him, and even Karen Kane mentioned that in his press conference. We've we've all seen him knock you know penalties over from sixty you know sixty meters out or whatever, and so it's it, you know it, it's he's a perfect option to have there alongside Jack Carty when they're on the field together for him to actually dip, be able to dovetail with with Carty and take some of that touch finding pressure off him. Indeed, indeed. So good win in the end, Dave. You're happy enough with it even though the second half did seem to sort of fall off a little bit well you can't you, you win a home game with five points you can't not be happy satisfied with it not not happy with it but you know satisfied so and it's it's, it's hard anybody can be happy oh we won by five points yeah we can be happy be satisfied with it is a little bit harder so it's satisfactory I think Kieran said it pretty much inside there it's better it was better there's a lot more that needs to be better for next week but that's the way you want to go if you improve game upon game and next week's performance is better than this week's performance that is progress 
and uh, it's definitely both. How much of there were things there today that we still need to be improved on. I think Lindy raised it in the in the press conference about exit strategy. I think that's a very fair point, and I think Kieran thinks it's a very fair point. That needs to be improved on. But if that improves, gets better next week, we improve next week. Oh uh, yeah, you gotta be satisfied with it. As for the second half, I think the injury, I think the head injury to the Kings prop just totally deflated the atmosphere. Deflated the atmosphere in the crowd. Deflated the atmosphere in the pitch. Weirdly, the only people who seem to be who seem to not get totally deflated were the Kings themselves, even though they had lost both their their tight heads to to head injuries. Thankfully, we have to say this: both we saw at the end of the game and afterwards that both guys are up and walking about. So that's a, that's a good thing. Um, but it was it seriously deflated us. It deflated the crowd. It deflated the team, and it took us. It, it also that second half seemed to go on forever. It really did. <laughs> it did indeed. Oh, your thoughts, Packy. Well, it was good. Good to get the win. Great to get the five points. Um, but they, they just—they're not fluid yet. But they will be. You can see what they're trying to do, and uh, I think it'll—it'll it'll come in time. But um, yeah, no, I was happy enough for that. Yeah, yeah, because the first half was excellent. Um, played some play, played some lovely rugby, and, and we're putting the ball out in front of the player when we're passing the ball. So guys were having to run onto the ball. I think that was one of the biggest things that I noticed, um, which is more Southern Hemisphere style type of play, and I think that that helped a lot. It sort of faded a little bit in the second half. So the Kings, the Kings were a lot better than they were last week. What did you think, Lindy? Well, I suppose, you know, as, as, as Dave pointed out, we're all getting better, aren't we? So I suppose the Kings are as well. And remember, you know, they've had very little time to prepare. That was very obvious in, when, in the press conference this week when we met them earlier in the week. They said they'd literally been, I think their expression was thrown together before this, you know, before the, the tournament started. So they don't necessarily see this year's I think competition as as a winning competition as opposed to just establishing themselves and finding their feet but I think what we did see out there is that they are very exciting I mean you know it was hard to tell the difference between backs and forwards at some stage because they were all involved with the ball and they also big they're, they're, they're fast runners and they're fine runners and they're big and I think when they find some fluidity and structure in their, more structure in their attack they will be very hard to stop I think they will what were your thoughts Packy? Yeah, no, lovely side to watch going forward. Um, not a very good side <laughs> going backwards, but they no, they 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 need time. You know, they do like uh, themselves. The cheetahs are kind of they're around a bit longer. They've lost a lot of players as well. I think towards the tail end of the season, I think they're going to tail off. Both both sides are going to tail off because they're after the super season, super rugby season. They're going to have a really long. It's going to be an extra long season. They'll have an eighteen-month season, I think I read. Yeah, but you remember they're going to get breaks. They're not going to play in Europe, and they're getting the whole of December off. So you know, they, yes, they're, they're the long season, but not necessarily as long as you would expect up here. Except that they also have a lot of travel. Remember. Yes, but again, one of the things they said that they found that when William was chatting to the, the and that's why William's not here, by the way, sorry, I should have introduced everybody earlier on, um, Dave, Lindy and Paki here, William's out looking to talk to the, the manager of the, the Kings, who made the point that they found this travel very easy compared to having to go across time zones, uh, particularly Argentina. So um, so from that point of view, yeah, I suppose they have a fair chunk of tra- more travelling to do than any of the Europeans. I think that well, I think they they came over here and they seem to have enjoyed their week actually. And from what I can understand, and go away. When we're talking to them um, this earlier in the week, they had obviously they had not a, a clue about the All Island hurling final until they were trying to drive from Dublin down to Galway and got stuck. And I think they ended up in in uh, Supermax uh, stop and uh, and introduced themselves. And for some and and the. the, the 
the supporters of Galway Hurlers actually knew who these lads were and what they were doing, which I think surprised them as well. Mm. And so I think they also went out to Athenry the other night to see the celebrations. So they've obviously immersed themselves in the community, talking to them. They're actually really enjoying the opportunity to be here. They're enjoying the opportunity of playing in the Northern Hemisphere and playing Northern Hemisphere rugby. And they're, they're quite happy and quite delighted, I think, and, 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 and you know, to be in this competition. And I think they're going to add to the competition, which is the most important thing. Yeah. yeah, I think when they get the home games, like when, when the European teams go down to South Africa and are, st- are playing in 30 degrees and also when they get to play down in, in Bloemfontein up at 1,400 metres, I think that's going to be an advantage to them. Well, we'll get to see it next week because Leinster are heading off down there. Um, I think the Southern Kings represent something very different from my cliched view of South African rugby. Yes, the guy who got injured when he came on, you're thinking, yes, he does look like every other South African the most significant thing I find with the Southern Kings and this is not necessarily from a rugby it is from a rugby perspective but as much from a socio-political perspective is that every starting player from 6 to 15 as well as number 4 is black or of mixed heritage that is a that is an African rugby team that is a huge thing in terms of South African rugby there has been there were, the cultural definition of the apartheid regime to a certain degree was seen through rugby it was the Boer sport it was the white man sport and it is fantastic but there were 11 starting players who were not uh, white South Africans I think that is, that is the most significant thing about the Southern Kings at the moment they will get better without doubt they will get better every team, is, every team should be better at home it's not always the case but they should be they know those conditions as the season goes on, yes, Paki is entirely right about how they are going to get tired. But they'll also get to know each other better. I think they're going to do someone down there. I really do. I think the travelling... I think they're not being helped by the fact that the Curry Cup is going on at the moment. Some of the better players are with them. When those guys come back, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I wasn't sure if this was going to be a good idea, but having seen the team tonight, yeah, I think this could be really good. And I think next year, when they have a year under their belt, as Paki says, I think they're going to, be, they're going to really do damage. Maybe not, not this year, but next year. Yeah, well, uh, that's uh, another long one there from, from Dave, as, as we've come to expect at this stage. A um, couple of things we want to, to talk about. One of the things we had here at halftime was the, the Galway Hurlers and something from my perspective, having been down here and, and coached rugby for the last you know nearly 20 years at this stage, the difference in attitude between um, the interaction between the hurlers and the footballers and now rugby is fantastic. To see Connacht inviting the hurlers down here to bring the, the Liam McCarthy Cup out, to have everyone cheer them, sing the fields of Athenry as they walk by, um, was brilliant because I know that there was an awful lot of animosity in my younger days about between the different sports and I think the sports are beginning to realise that sports, you know, each sport is not the enemy of another sport. The real enemies are drinking, smoking, you know, sitting in front of TVs, sitting in front of games and things. So we, we need to get people out there and playing sports, and it's great to see them mixing it up. I think what you're looking at is the difference in a gener- in a few generations. You know, the, the generation of, of managers and coaches is that generation from 88, 89, who last won the All-Ireland mm-hmm. hurling final. And I think that's the difference now, is that that old, that old opinion of, you know, it's them versus us, so to speak, just doesn't really exist anymore, because the other thing is that all the sports people now are professional. So all of these lads are, are training and just as hard as what the rugby players are. And I think there's such a greater appreciation of each other. And if you see out there tonight, Joe Canning, you know, with, with the rugby ball, because obviously he's grown up beside, you know, Marlon mm-hmm. Portumner and he's very familiar with it. And so I think, you know, they've always been interchangeable, but I think 
as the generations go on, and particularly in the last in the last couple of generations, that 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 divide just doesn't exist because there is a, a huge greater appreciation um, of of each of every sport and what they do. Yeah, exactly. What do you think, Pac? Yeah, no, I agree with all that. Um, I suppose I grew up playing hurling, so it's nice to see the crossover now. Uh, there's a crossover of um, backroom staff there. Me, I don't know who talking about it, but it's nice. It's lovely to see them coming out here with the cup. It's, the, it's all about the West, you know. Yeah. So I was saying, you know, everybody wants Mayo to to do it the next day as well. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Sir Donnelly needs to brush up and his uh, his place kicking, but other than that, <laughs> uh, although maybe if he wore proper jeans, he might have been able to kick the ball. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, sorry, sorry, no, you'll have to elaborate on, on the issue with the jeans. Well, I think they were cutting off the circulation to his feet. <laughs> <laughs> but in fairness, there seemed to be an epidemic in the squad of uh, fellas who maybe they'd done too much training, their jeans were a bit too tight. I think you're probably looking at an age uh, gap here as yeah. well. <laughs> Not in my day! <laughs> oh, I love it, I love it. Just talking on size, you mentioned how big the 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 the, um, the the kings were. They weren't actually that big. Like I did some stats beforehand, and eight of that panel were six foot and under. I suppose I was looking at the the, the, the size of the the, the back row. The, yeah, the, yeah. They were quite influential. The, the six, seven, eight. Yeah, they, they just seemed to be just seemed to be quite dominant in terms of even outside play. They always seemed to be there. And then of course the prop who the replacement prop who unfortunately didn't score the first try certainly seemed unstoppable that well, size like from from close in. And you know he he was rewarded for the second time though. So well done to him. Yeah, absolutely. And and there is there did seem to be like what I did like about it was. That, you know, when I looked at that, and I thought, "Wow, you can actually see who the winger is. You can see who the prop is. You can see who the second row is because they're the right size for their positions, not compared to all our guys who are all over six foot practically." Um, I know Kieran Marmion has it down somewhere that he's six foot, but I don't think he is. I don't think so. Um, but you know, you're, you're looking at a situation where I, I was quite impressed with their their fleet of footness. They're, they're, they were so quick around the field. They got the they got running, and that's what playing guys of different size can do it actually spreads the game for for me is the best thing about rugby is that you get this sort of mixture of people from all sorts of sizes oh yeah absolutely I mean I mean I mean the, the replacements uh, standoff who came on is it was would be the size of a schools player here I mean or has that size has been a schools player and not even a senior schools player in most squads um, yeah they were very imp- very impressed with them I mean they, they're proving once again it, it is meant to be again the short fat lad that goes in the front row is meant to go in the front row the, the tall skinny lad is meant to go in the second row and the tiny guy the tiny guy with the quick hands is meant to scrape play scrum half they're not all meant to be interchangeable nothing against Mike Phillips but your scrum half is not meant to be 6 foot 4 nothing against Matt Banhorn or Alex Cuthbert but your, your winger is not meant to be 6 foot 7 I mean yeah. I think the difference is the scrum has, half has to be really Reasonably intelligent, and I think that's the key. Mm, yeah, not a size. Well, size helps. They need to be nippy little guys. You need to be. You look at Frank Murphy. He's you know he's now refing at the highest level, and I think he's been refing at the highest level for quite a long time. Except that he had a ball in his hand for half of it, <laughs> or for most of it. He spent a career refing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, Speaking absolutely. Of Speaking of which, <laughs> yes. As as we segue, sorry, we'll come back to you in a second. As we segue into. Dave's one of Dave's favourite comments our, 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 we, our token Scottish referee yes he is and literally he is our token Scottish referee Mike Adamson um, he had he had a game that you would expect a referee to have he made his decisions he was clear cutting them he was helped helped slash hindered depending on your point of view I think he was helped by, uh, by, by Mr Pallison in the box and can I point out that Joy Neville was 
uh, was on the touchline and it, you kind of forgot that she was there as in she didn't she wasn't there was, it was significant that if there was um, criticism of the officials coming from the crowd it all seemed to happen in the second half when Joy was over on the other side <laughs> just saying that's all it certainly was it certainly was sorry Pac I cut you off there um, no I was just uh, Joy Neville it's great to see her out there it'd be great actually when that doesn't make a difference do you know when it's not there's no thought put to you know when that's the ref- yeah. yeah, and when the the referee is is you know, um, you know you grade them on their ability as opposed to anything else. Like it'll be it'll be brilliant when it's like that, and then she can get lots of abuse from people in the clan stands, <laughs> just like just like every other referee. <laughs> okay, and we'll take a quick break here because William had just come back because he's just been interviewing the team manager from the the Kings, and I'll let William pronounce his name because I haven't quite got it yet. Zingy Hella. And uh, here is the interview. I'm with Zingi Hella, the team manager of the Southern Kings. We've had a, a difficult night maybe here in Galway, but you're very welcome along to the Craggy Rugby Podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Um, I want to begin by asking you about um, Intian Swanepoel, who got a nasty bang on his head and uh, was taken off after quite a... a, a quite a delay, a little bit of concern about him. How is he doing now? Indian is uh, doing very well. Um, I think him being taken out of the field, it was most um, uh, of a precautionary um, a measure that was put in place and um, given the fact that well, rugby does not take lightly the uh, issue of players' um, uh, 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 livelihood when it comes to head injuries or neck injuries. So at this stage, um, Indian is actually doing very well. Well, that's very good news and glad to hear that. Uh, Connacht, I think, will be well, well pleased with that uh, game this evening. How do you think it went for yourselves? I think from the um, boxes that we wanted to tick as the management <clears throat> and also as the players, it's um, we're still a work in progress. The everything that we're putting in place is actually Rome was not played in one in in in, in one day, so it is um, an assignment that we have from our side that each and every game we need to improve in um, a lot of aspects. Which today I must um, also commend um, uh, commend our players to say uh, last week we had um, a, a very disastrous second half which this week actually it, it went very, very, very better than um, the previous week. So it's um, to us a work in progress. In, in terms of disappointment, we are definitely not disappointment, uh, disappointed because the guys have shown us um, as, as, as the management what we were looking for. And uh, knowing that we're going back home, the guys are going to get rested and then we look at Leinster um, on Saturday. Yeah, that's uh, the first time that uh, the Pro 14 teams will be going down there. Leinster going down for a two-match uh, tour. Would you be thinking along the lines that you'll be at home able to put in maybe a tighter, more accurate performance? What I love is the fact that everyone, when they're playing at home, they're actually very comfortable. So uh, the weather that side is very dry at this stage so we actually getting into our spring we are in the spring and um, today it was um, a little bit dewy the grass was slippery towards the end of the game so i would say when we at home definitely we would um, uh, like to put up a show 
and not only for us, for the people that will be coming to support us as well, because we've got a very good support base at home and people that are backing us and um, and our families. So we will definitely would like to give them um, a, a show when they come to watch us. You've been up here uh, just just under two weeks. So how have you in, in enjoyed the the trip from a logistical point of view? How has it gone for you? And how have you enjoyed your stay? I think you've been in Galway now since last Monday. So you've had an opportunity to sample the delights of the city. I think from the logistical point of view, it um, by putting together a, a, a trip for two weeks, it's not a child's play. And um, But... What I can also uh, say is that we've managed to get the players here and everyone has a visa, which it's actually taking a lot, a lot of um, time consuming to make sure that we comply with the immigration uh, laws of the countries. So at this stage, we have managed to settle and um, the people from from uh, Galway, including the people from uh, Swansea as well. They welcomed us very, very, very well. And um, definitely it was it was um, a learning curve for us to be here. And uh, given the fact that this is our first time in the Northern Hemisphere. So as, 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 as I said earlier, we are a project. And um, also given... The, the idea that we've never played in a club um, uh, environment. We usually play Super Rugby in national stadiums and um, now we actually uh, at a club level, which is actually giving us, it's taking, it's taking us back to our roots because the people are friendly, because um, there's a post-match function. Uh, whereas there was nothing like that where we were in the competition that we used to play at. So at this stage, it's, it's, it's very exciting for us. And um, from logistics point of view, we still have a lot of things to do. Like on Monday, we, as soon as we land in South Africa, we're going for our Schengen visa application in Copago in Johannesburg, which will only land back in, um, in Port Elizabeth at half past eight on Monday. So it's, it's, it's quite a, um, a very, very, very um, a strenuous process that we need to go through. But what I like as well is just if you go through it once, it's actually on the second time, it's going to be very easy. Talking about the, the, the project part of, of, of what the Kings are about, um, I think there's a big misunderstanding in this part of the world, in the Northern Hemisphere, about how we, we keep hearing about quota systems to get black players into South African rugby. So if, can you give me a background to that as to how, how it came about and how it operates? Because it's seen sometimes here as a very blunt instrument, but I suspect there's a lot more nuance to actually how it's done. The concept of um, quota system it as, as, as you've just mentioned now, it's something that um, from a political point of view in South Africa, after the unification, it was um, a concept of actually leveling the playing fields, getting the players of color into the mainstream, which uh, eventually uh, the then Mr. Um, the then uh, minister, sorry, minister of sport, um, Mr. Balfour 
they sat with uh, SARP to look at uh, what are the measures as the union that they will put in place to ensure that um, the the players of colour come through the system and uh, of which SARP uh, made it a point that they come up with uh, a transformation strategic plan that will address the, the, the issue of quota system. At this stage, quota system is no longer existing in South Africa. The players that are playing within our teams are they on merit. And um, if you look at the team that we had this, um, this, this, this afternoon or this evening, we had um, out of the 23 players, we had um, 14 players of colour, which we definitely as management can say they are playing in this team on merit. So the issue of quota system now is just a mere fact of um, people using the, 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 the quota system as, as an excuse um, by the mere fact that they see black players on the field. So I would definitely like to encourage people not to look um, at the concept or when they look a play, uh, when they see a player of colour running onto the field and they say he's a quota. They must just look at as as he's there on merit. And that is exactly the same reflection to our Springboks team because um, the likes of Sia Kolisi being there, they are there on merit. So it's just a mere fact that now it's just a transformation of mind to um, a wider rugby community to welcome the concept of having black players within our 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 rugby teams. And is is the game spreading more into the black community? When I've been in South Africa, I'm always astonished by how interested uh, black people I've met at cricket know about association for football, soccer, the the Premiership. Uh, and the fact that I support West Ham used to lead to a lot of derision. <laughs> but um, is, is, is rugby, is it, is it making ground? Is it working hard at that? If I can honestly tell you, the, myself and uh, Zingi, as the manager now of the Southern Kings, is coming from a village in a small town uh, in Alice. And <clears throat> rugby has been there for since 1800s where it was firstly played in um, in Grahamstown so I would say from the black uh, community's point of view in uh, rugby has been there for years the only thing that was never been there is the exposure and of which now that the people um, our people are getting more exposure it actually now creates Mentors, it creates icons for our kids from the villages that, irrespective of the background that you're coming from, it's um, also an, a dream of one child that is in that village that one day he'll play rugby. So um, I would say at this stage, with regards to the um, rugby community in South Africa, it was mostly exposure to the white community taking um, uh, um, the disadvantage of um, the black people. But at this stage, I can confirm that rugby has been there for years. That is why we had um, the, the Guarus in, in Port Elizabeth. That, we had, that is why we had the Verus in the likes of um, 
of Alice, Fort Beaufort, Adelaide areas and Bedford. So it's it's initially the um, black community has been kind of involved in, in rugby for quite a number of years. Well, that's excellent to hear. We're, we're really looking forward. We're not coming down to visit you chaps this season, but next season we'll be coming down to PE and hopefully I will, we'll get down there to talk to you. It's been a pleasure to deal with yourself and it's been a pleasure to deal with your organisation. Have a safe trip home. We'll be watching your progress with great interest up here and uh, the very best wishes to you. Thank you. OK, William, interesting interview. Yeah, it's a fascinating interview. Um, talked about uh, what uh, the Kings are up to and then obviously we, we got into the what I think used to be regarded as a very thorny issue of quotas within South African rugby he gives a much more nuanced approach to this because it's usually a very blunt instrument Mm. and he's put to bed a few of the myths I think excellent good stuff right and now we'll go for any other business and we'll start off with the issue of the goalposts because William got a chance to see what I was complaining about last week Yes, I was up in the uh, the heights of the of the commentary box place. I don't tell you, you have to have an oxygen mask when you get up that high. <laughs> and I can confirm that the left-hand goalpost, as you look from the commentary box at the Locatolia end, does actually appear to disappear into some trees that are... I don't know where the hell these trees are located, um, but at one stage I was looking, thinking, where's the post gone? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's, it's nice to be acknowledged that that... I, I wasn't going bananas last week. The post looking quite nice, actually. Yes, but you, the... the they're still not painted. No, no, they're still not painted. I think you should come down here under, you know, cover of darkness, Ellen, and just, you know, shimmy up the post and just paint it yourself. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I will, Maggie. Maybe that's a good idea. Okay, any other business, Dave? I think you've got some. Ah, yeah. Um, this will probably go out before, after this uh, game is played. But uh, the underage uh, teams are starting their tournaments this uh, of the last couple of weeks. Um, this weekend, the under 18s, the under 18 girls, and the under 19s are playing. Uh, uh, last week I decided, ah, look, I'm not going to go up and watch Connacht play Ulster, and it was a very bad decision because apparently it was a cracking game that Connacht won with the last kick of uh, last kick of the game. Dermot Kadair puts the ball over, uh, converts a uh, uh, try, so Connacht win. They're facing Munster on Sunday, um, which means it will probably have happened by the time this goes out. I'm going to come along. I've heard some uh, people have been raving about Niall Murray. He made the Ireland under 18 squad. Hugh Lane made the Ireland under 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 an eight, 19 squad. Want to see these guys? and also some of the guys who played in the last year's school's final plus there's a lot of guys looking at that I've not seen them play yet does it mean that any of these guys are going to be future stars who knows but let's come along and have a look also see how Munster are getting on they usually bring a ferocious pack and also they're kind of see how are they developing along the lines is there anything there that we can see in the future that may see Munster's developing it's hard to know but I tell you what guys a lot of good underage rugby come out and support them they're playing in the sports ground tomorrow I think the, the, the girls are in Westport and uh, the on um, next sun next Saturday, uh, the under 18s are playing here as well. So come out and support the local teams. It's not shouldn't just be about the seniors; it should also be about the under 18s teams as well. Indeed. Anyone else got any other business, William? Yeah, just a reminder: next Friday night's game is not on television. The only place to follow it live is on Galway Bay FM with. 
Captain Craggy and my good self in Rodney Parade in Newport and uh, no doubt we'll get a lovely welcome from uh, the locals who are inclined to turn around and have a chat with you when you're commentating there. <laughs> yes it is, it's a very, you're very close to the fans in there. Yeah, <laughs> Linny, Linny will sort it out. <laughs> Packy, do you have anything you want to bring up? Yeah, I do. Um, we're rugby clubs all over the province are, are just you know their minis training has just started up maybe this weekend maybe last weekend and it's just uh, it's 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 a great sport for any kid to play um, and I think anybody that's uh, that's a rugby club near them uh, should get out there get their get their head playing playing out there GA is going to finish up soon enough it's going to linger on for another while and it's finished up but uh, I think anybody and get involved as well folks uh, just on that I have to give a special word to the uh, Corinthians under sixes and sevens coaches um, I looked down today and I saw uh, two guys Wayne Williams and um, a fellow affectionately known as Frenchy already in Casanova um, they're involved with the under sixes and sevens uh, along with Johnny O'Connor and I think I saw Nigel Carolyn down there today <laughs> so um, I think they probably have one of the best under sixes and sevens coaching setups in the country <laughs> <laughs> sounds like fun sounds like fun don't forget to like us on on iTunes and you can also get us on Stitcher now for people who have struggled on a on Android you can then find Craggy Rugby on Stitcher listen to it at your leisure and as I said like us on iTunes and SoundCloud and if you've got any questions you want to ask for the lads for next week when they're away in Newport um, you can find us on at Craggy Rugby Pod apologies on Twitter or you can email us at craggyrugbypod at gmail.com we'll talk again next week ciao folks